Welcome to Farm Chica, the podcast dedicated to providing a holistic model for promoting sustainable lifestyles and ways to engage in traditional methods of homesteading. Join me, Renee Delgado Riley, a native-born New Mexican, as I share how I respect Mother Nature through easy-to-apply tips that anyone can do. Through this podcast, I hope to inspire you to tap into your ancestral roots and live a more traditional simple life that focuses on sustainability and respect to the earth. So join me as I share 20 to 30 minute tips that anyone can do. Welcome to Farm Chica's podcast focusing on selecting and planting fruit trees. Today we'll just focus on selecting the types of fruit trees that you want to plant on your homestead farm or in your backyard. We'll talk about the different varietals, a little bit of history, And a future podcast will be focused on the harvesting and use of that fruit. Humans' unique relationship with any kind of fruit-bearing tree goes back many, many centuries. 6,000 and 3,000 BCE, during the ancient Mesopotamia era, many Mediterranean fruits, as we know, fig, dates, and olives, hence olive oil and also grapes, were domesticated. Vinters, wine, all the things that we think of when we think of those types of settlements. The fruit of the tree is always the result of the root system that you cannot see. Other fruits such as citrus and various palm fruits such as apple, pear, quince, medlars, and stone fruits, almonds, apricots, peaches, plums, cherries, those were domesticated in Central and East Asia. They didn't reach the West until the age of the antiquity, which is usually the classical era, classical period of cultural history between 8th century BC and 6th century BC, centered on the Mediterranean Sea. So those interlocking civilizations of ancient Greece, ancient Rome, and what we know as the Greco-Roman world. It wasn't until the 19th and 20th centuries that things that we know as blueberry, blackberry, pecan, and some other well-known fruits were being collected and domesticated. There are things such as lingonberry, various cacti, Brazil nuts, and durian that are still not as domesticated as other fruit trees, but they can still be grown. Apple, the most commonly and familiar fruit in the world, actually has its wild ancestor originating from Central Asia. Apples have been grown for thousands of years, and they were not brought until North America until the European colonists came here. There are many mythological religious significance of apples, including Norse, Greek, and of course, Christian traditions, the forbidden fruit. Arguably, apples are the most significant fruit that has played a major dominant role in human history. There are depictions of large red fruits in classical art demonstrating that domesticated apples were present in Europe over many millennia and ancient seeds from archaeological sites attest to the fact that people have been collecting wild apples all across Europe and West Asia for more than 10,000 years. The process of domestication of fruit trees, or really the evolutionary change in which humans began to cultivate and select trees, is still not entirely clear. However, it's been happening over a millennium. There are whole people who do this work for a living in which they test and understand and analyze genetics 
from lots of different fruit varietals. And it is hypothesis that the Silk Road trade routes were responsible for bringing many fruits together, causing what we know today as hybridization, which is the integration of multiple species into different ones, which amount to what we know today as our modern fruit trees, whether it's apple, peach, plum, or whatever that may be. So likely the Silk Road is what enabled the development of many of our fruit trees as we know today. Fruit trees and fruit have played a major role and influence art and culture. The Mahasana, which is an epic poem that sheds light on the Sri Lankan history, describes how 2,000 years ago an important tree had one of its branches removed. This was the tree that many have said Buddha actually sat under and attained enlightenment. This branch was then planted in a solid gold vase. It was then taken over the mountains and down the river to the Bay of Bengal, in which it was carried on a ship and sailed for Sri Lanka to present to the king. The tree that is described is actually a fig tree. Many tree scientists say it's likely Fiscus religiosa, which is true to its name. It's an unbroken line of devotion that stretches back thousands of years. And this isn't only the only species of fig trees. There's actually 750 fig species of trees out there. So lots of fruits play a vital role in human history, influencing it from the dawn of civilization, influencing kings, queens, leaders, scientists, and even soldiers. These trees have not only witnessed history, they have shaped it. And if we play our cards right by selecting and planting fruit trees, we can enrich our future as well. So talking about fruit trees and the history around them goes back thousands and thousands of years and even millennia. But what about those fruit trees native to North America, where I'm currently at and where my ancestors primarily emerged from? I'd like to say the quintessential peach is very Southern and very embedded in our culture here in the Americas. While that may be the case for the last couple of centuries, is actually originated in China. Well, there are plums that might be small enough to be utilized for jams and jellies. They're typically small, not generally the types of plums that you see at the market, which those actually originated elsewhere as well. And any kind of citrus fruit, there are no edible native citrus fruits to the Americas, unfortunately. A lot of the kumquats, limes, lemons, oranges, and grapefruits that we know today originated in Asia as well. All the bananas that you now see in Central America and the Caribbean actually originated in Southeastern Asia and perhaps Northern Australia. There are no Native American bananas. So what in the world are native to North America? Well, blueberries, huckleberries have their origins in North America, although they've now been cultivated worldwide. So anything like blackberries, raspberries, pecans and hickory nuts have originated here in the North Americas. And although there are persimmon species native to Africa and Asia, there is the American persimmon. But most importantly, the most prolific, largest edible fruit trees native to North America that produce a greenish, blackish fruit, usually three to six inches long, grows wild in 26 states, gracing eastern forests, all with the sweet-smelling tropical flavor. Any idea? Well, for those who have never known about this, 
which I've learned is the pawpaw. Best way to describe the flavor is a cross between a banana and mango. You can find out more about the pawpaw in Andrew Moore's book, Pawpaw in Search of America's Forgotten Fruit. Pawpaws grow all over the U.S., um, even from the Great Lakes down to the Florida Panhandle. Members of the Lewis and Clark Expedition ate tons of pawpaws, um, lots of natives throughout the centuries, as well as Americans who were traveling all over the U.S. ate many, many pawpaws. There are towns named Pawpaw in Michigan, West Virginia, Kentucky, and Oklahoma. However, the more industrialized our country became, the less relevant pawpaws became. You see, pawpaws don't hold well. You harvest them when they almost look rotten and they need to be consumed immediately. And what confused things even more is the pawpaw means papaya in many other parts of the world. However, there's been a pawpaw renaissance. And so there's a small but very enthusiastic pawpaw community that encompasses both professional and amateur growers. They have gatherings like the Ohio Pawpaw Festival. So without a shadow of a doubt, there's a long history and a long migration of many, many different species of fruits that have come to North America. There are native fruits here that we've learned to cultivate and domesticate and select appropriately. So now to the most important part of the podcast is why in the world would you plant a fruit tree? And how do you select and plant those fruit trees? Aren't fruit trees quite amazing to think that in the dead of winter when they look dead and grim and cold and sparse that just in a couple of months with the right amount of chilling hours the right weather conditions they begin to blossom into beautiful flowers that then create beautiful fruit so that alone should be your motivation for choosing and selecting fruit trees but most important it feeds you although Eating primarily fruit can be hard on your gut. I know it's hard on mine. But to think that every time you plant a fruit tree, it lasts for generations. If not, it adds flora and fauna to any homestead and farm in any backyard. So there are different types of fruit trees. There are ultra dwarf, which are really small. There are semi dwarf, and there are full size. And what you should know is historically, many fruit trees were grown from seeds alone and propagated. Now every fruit tree today is created through grafting. That's in which you take a cutting from the plant, the bigger tree, and it's used to then create another tree. So dwarf and semi-dwarf fruit trees, their rootstocks offer a more compact alternative to growing regular fruit trees. Many people don't have a lot of space in their backyard. For fruit trees and actually ultra dwarf fruit trees go really well in pots although the the root stock they like to grow outward so that only gets you so far although they do have varietals that grow in pots but ultra dwarf fruit trees are really um, great for smaller backyards and those who don't have a lot of space it also saves a lot of labor at harvest time compared to regular trees or any of those with semi-dwarf fruit stalks because less pruning is needed because they're smaller and it's much easier to harvest the fruit. So if you do get a root stalk, just know that most of the fruit trees are often grafted just because anything that's grown from seed, 
the characteristics are not the same as the parent. So modern growers today like to control the environment of and the characteristics that fruit trees have. And so hence why they're propagated and they're created using grafting methods. So to give you an example, a traditional apple tree will need 30 feet of space between each tree. And this works if you have a nice um, acres and acres of property and you have a large homestead and farm. This is great. However, apple varieties that grow on a semi-dwarf rootstock reach 50 to 80 percent of their size, which is usually anywhere from 15 to 24 feet. And a dwarf, an ultra dwarf apple variety will grow through one third of its size or as tall as nine feet. And you only need five to eight feet between trees. And so you can see just from the size alone, you need less space to grow the smaller varietals of fruit trees. So depending on how you want to plant your fruit trees, this might be a good variety for you. And I see many ultra dwarf fruit trees produce quite a bit of fruit. So just because it's a smaller tree, yes, it's gonna be smaller. It's probably gonna have less fruit, but you still get a pretty good chunk and a good harvest. And because it's a smaller tree, um, semi-dwarf and ultra dwarf fruit trees reach their mature size more quickly than an original traditional type of fruit tree, which may take years before you actually bear fruit. So before you plant any fruit tree, you need to decide if you want a traditional size, a semi-dwarf, or an ultra-dwarf fruit tree. We've often opted for the semi-dwarf just because you need less space between, and they still grow and produce plenty of shade and can be just as beautiful as a traditional size fruit tree. So as I talked a little bit about the history of fruit trees, I want to talk about kind of three buckets of different types of fruits that I that I think are major categories of different trees that you can select and choose for planting. The first major category is the most common fruit are the apples. There's different types of varietals of apples, probably hundreds if not more. There's specific apples for eating. There's wild apples, which tend to be really sour. There's apples that you harvest um, in the harvest season, and then they hold all winter long. So those are good storage apples. There's also apple varietals that are grown specifically for cider making. So there are different types of apples when you're choosing and selecting. And so oftentimes when you think about an apple, the red delicious apple is the more common, but there are lots of other kinds of varietals that you can eat. So choose the apple varietal based on how you're going to think about utilizing that apple. And I will mention, you can use different varietals for different things. I often mix varietals of apples. Like, so when I'm making apple butter or if I've made cider, I mix different types of apples, which is a really kind of unique flavor that you get from mixing the different types of varietals. That's one bucket. The other bucket and major category I see are any kind of pit fruits. So like peaches, cherries, nectarines, those are going to be a different varietal of tree. And when you're choosing and selecting those, you really need to understand the microclimates, where you're at on the map, and how well things grow. Because peaches will grow differently in different parts of the world. Same with cherries and nectarines. And so you really need to understand how these things do in your specific environment and also the microclimate. Cause if you're going to plant a tree next to a South facing wall, you're going to get a lot more sun and a lot more heat radiating depending on 
what um, side of the hemisphere you're on and, and vice versa, depending on where you're at, depending if it's winter and what season you're in. And the other third bucket that I see as a major category of fruit are more of the unconventional, what I consider exotics. So anything from jujubes, which are Chinese dates, medlars, which are really great for custard, persimmons, there's Asian, fuyu persimmons are my favorite, and there's also American persimmons, which if harvested too early are a bit stringent, and of course the American pawpaw. So fruit trees don't take a whole lot of green thumb and experience, really just understand your tree. Oftentimes, many nurseries and many um, growers today will plant their trees, they'll graft those trees for you, depending on the fruit varietal. They'll place it in a pot, and usually you get a 5-gallon to a 10-gallon tub. Well, there's that major root ball. So that plant has learned to grow in that specific controlled condition. And so essentially what you're doing is you're taking that plant and planting it in your backyard, your homestead, your farm, and it's going to go through a little bit of shock. And so the best thing we can do is control the environment as best as we can, make that tree feel at home, (laughs) really make sure that root ball isn't all torn up. Um, So when you take it out of the pot, One of the common things to do is because trees don't necessarily grow down, they grow outward. And so you want to make sure that you take your hands in there and get in the root ball and make sure that the roots are loose and it's not all tangled up because it wants to grow outwards and you just want to make sure it's not root bound. When you're digging that hole, the depth of the hole, again, is not nearly as important as the width of the hole because that tree wants to grow outward. The roots are going to take on going horizontally. Also, don't bury your tree. Make sure that a piece of that trunk is at the surface level because if you bury your tree, it it's just you're going to suffocate your tree and it's not going to be happy. Again, it's been in this very controlled environment and now it's coming home to you. And just like when you bring children home from an environment, they need time to acclimate and adjust and get used to their new living environment. So think about that as the fruit trees. They're a living organism. They need support and they need help and you are their new parent. So of course, some other tips for making sure your trees will root in your backyard, homestead farm, and eventually they'll blossom and those blossoms will turn into fruit that you can harvest and eat and process and do whatever makes you happy. You need to make sure the trees get sunlight and get water. Depending on where you're at, there are places that get a lot of moisture that you don't necessarily need a supplement with water. There are places specifically where I'm from, the Southwest New Mexico. It's very hot. It's very dry. These trees need a lot of water. And most of the time, trees will die because they don't have enough water. Also, again, think about microclimates and where you're going to position and plant that tree is going to help support that or actually hinder it. So if you plant that tree in a place where it's going to get a lot of shade and it's not going to get any self-facing sun, that tree is going to struggle to thrive because it's going to be too cold. Every tree needs a certain amount of chilling hours before it can actually blossom and create into a beautiful tree. Also, don't plant that tree and then pour concrete around it or plant that tree and put hot rocks around it. Trees don't like that. They want to be in the most natural environment, so help that tree out. 
A really interesting story is there was a fig tree we used to have um, that in Albuquerque, in fact, and it was a fig tree in Albuquerque, New Mexico, that was planted near a south-facing wall in a corner. And because it was on that south-facing wall and it the, the sun was hitting that wall and it was a brick wall, it was getting a lot of extra heat. And so it almost created this micro-Mediterranean climate that fig trees do really well in. And it gets really cold and and snows and goes through all the four seasons in Albuquerque. But that fig tree did extremely well and still is doing well today, I believe. Um, so it's still producing a lot of great figs. So think about that when you're choosing to plant a tree, think about where you're planting it and the different microclimates that exist. So you've brought your tree home, you planted your tree, you've controlled all the conditions, you're giving it water. What do you do next? Well, you could just wait, <laughs> but more importantly, you need to think about just basic pruning. Um, every winter when um, the, the tree goes into hibernation, you want to make sure that you cut away any overlapping branches. You don't want your branches to crisscross. You want them to grow outward and upward. And so just think about that when you're pruning the tree back, um, especially during that winter time. Also, fruit wood is really great for smoking things. Um, so like if you have smoked bacon, so if you raise like hogs or pigs, like applewood is really, really great for that stuff. I don't raise pigs or hogs, although that is a dream in the future. I would love some pigs of my own. Applewood just is a really great wood for starting a fire around the fireplace, wood burning stove, things like that. It's just a really great wood. So fruit trees, certain fruit varietals um, are prone to in insect infestations such as boars. Um, some other things you can do um, to prevent that as well as keep your tree cool, especially if you're in a really hot climate, is paint the trunk with half paint. Um, and you need to look this up on Google, the type of paint. Um, this should be organic because you don't want to be putting um, chemicals on your tree. But you dilute a paint. It's an organic paint with water and you paint half the trunk up and it basically deters insects and it also keeps the tree cool because it's white and so the sunlight reflects um, a little bit off of it so it keeps it cooler instead of hot. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to prevent boars and you're going to prevent insect infestations but it's just another tip that might help your tree kind of adjust and acclimate to its new environment. There are lots of conditions and things that we can't control. Sometimes your fruit tree won't make it. If your fruit tree can overwinter and come back the next year, it's got a really good chance of being acclimated. Sometimes a fruit tree has died and you dig it up and the root ball just, it just never grew outwards. There's only so much you can do to um, prevent that tree from dying, but you can do your best and it's better to strike out swinging than not to swing at all, in my opinion. And some years, um, and some trees just don't make it. Also, sometimes your trees, you don't get fruit. Some of those, uh, traditional trees, which grow to really large, you know, 30 feet tall sometimes, it's going to take years to get fruit. You're not going to get fruit in the same year. Versus an ultra dwarf or a semi dwarf tree, you're going to get fruit a lot quicker. And then some years you just don't get fruit and that's okay. There are microclimates 
there are late frosts in some areas of the country where it starts to get warm, the sun's coming out, that tree's thinking, oh, it's time for me to blossom. But then you get the late frost and that frost kills those blossoms, which ultimately kills your fruit. And so that happens. And that's just the reality of dealing with what I'd like to call mother nature and weather sometimes. So there are microclimates. Um, also, there are late frosts and crazy temperature differentials. Um, some people cover their trees. Um, some people heat their trees. Uh, there's different theories. You can go um, pour running water on your tree and the, the flow of the water keeps it from freezing. Um, you can cover it with um, warming cloths. I've even seen where people take those old-fashioned Christmas lights that emit a lot of heat and they put those on their trees to keep them warm. So there are lots of things out there you can do, um, but just realize it's a fruit tree. It's a living organism. You need to pay it attention. And so there's a lot of opportunity with planting trees and sometimes you want to give up. Not seeing results, feel like giving up, just wait. And remember that the last thing that grows on any fruit tree is the fruit. So it's no doubt that fruit trees have played a major role in human history. It has been part of us since the origins of agriculture. It goes back many, many generations. Many humans have been consuming different types of fruit trees. They've been processing that all the way from just what we think of as olive oil going back many, many centuries. It plays an important role in our culture. It's not something that separates us. So why not plant a fruit tree? How many fruit trees do you have? Why are you not growing fruit trees? Where does your fruit come from? Yes, I always am about supporting local farmers at the different farmers markets and any kind of grocery store that supports its local farmers. But there's also a joy that comes from you growing your own fruit trees. Again, the ethos of this podcast, Farm Chica, is focused on getting us back to our roots. No pun intended here. But really think about what you have in your backyard, on your farm, on your homestead. What are you doing to enrich your future? To enrich the future of the micro environment, of the environment around you? And what are you investing today? to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Do this thing called life. Thank you for listening to Farm Chica's podcast focusing on selecting and planting fruit trees. I look forward to our next podcast and thank you for all your support. I greatly appreciate it and I hope you have a wonderful day and you've enjoyed all my tips.